and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. And welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Hi, everybody. It's good to hear all of your smiling faces out there. Yes. I yes, am not is. going to go into that. My brain will explode. Again, Zip has to clean up the... Uh, we just got some new gaming chairs. They're very squishy and comfortable. And I don't want to have to have them get blood and gore all off the chair. What? No. No, we don't <laughs> want that. Um, Big whoops. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I wanted to make a special announcement before we get into the regular show. And that is we have a new patron, and his name is Rob. And Rob is awesome. All hail the one true Rob. <laughs> it is the is Rob that awesome. parents name their children after, right? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. But he is in our Discord server a lot. So if you guys want to chat with him, he is there. So join our Discord server. Just throwing that out there. You know what I'm going to say. Find us on social media. It's all linked in the show notes, doodly-doo, and the website. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Patreon, Coffee, all the hip and cool places except for TikTok. It's true. We do not have a TikTok, and we probably never will. Yeah, TikTok. I mean, what would we stream? Us painting minis? Or... Yeah, but you have to do it in one-minute segments. <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing that. Smashing a dice with a crowbar. I could do that. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about is something that is. Kind of an, I, I don't want to it's say. It's an elephant a, in the room. Let's just put it this way. It's it, an elephant it in the is. room. It is pretty much an elephant in the room. And that is, you know, so with all the things that are all gaming and gaming adjacent, we as GMs, we're not perfect. God, no, far from it. Pshaw. <laughs> I know, right? We're cool. Right. We ain't perfect. No, and and that is that is that is truly th uh, the thing. I mean, we make mistakes. We are human, just like everybody else. Now, some of those mistakes can be in remembering, like a piece of lore for the setting that you're running, or you know, messing you up a part of how the game is actually done mechanically. And I know that. I have made mistakes more than one. And what Zen's, what Zen's trying to get to 
is that we're going to share some mistakes that we may or may not have made and how we addressed them. So, A, you know we're kind of human, and B, because it's something we might be able to return to and get more episodes out of later. And so, with that said... Yeah. And we're not just talking about, oops, I goofed a rules call. There's a lot more involved in being a GM than making sure you make the right rules call. It's, are you handling your table right? Are you handling a bad player right? Are you handling yourself right? You know, it's not just the rules, although that is a really big part of it, but it's also the interpersonal. As we always say, communication really makes a bomb diggity game. So for starters, make sure that you're comfortable communicating with your players and your players are comfortable communicating with you. Otherwise, um, bad things happen. It's like feeding feeding a mogwai after midnight. Kind of bad. It can. It can turn really bad if you're not used to talking with your players and making them understand that, yeah, nobody's perfect and no one should have to be. And the thing is, is if you're prone, like... I have a friend of mine who can go, he has this incredible photographic memory, can go like chapter and verse and page number of which rule book and, and almost recite the rule like blindly. All right. But he may forget um, more aesthetic elements, more story elements, stuff like that. So he might have a lesser chance of making a rules goof but we'll probably screw up the canon occasionally. But if you're aware about that, one, you know, let your players know. It's like, hey, you know what? It's like, I might uh, forget something like there. If, if it's really screwy, we paused, etc. So one, for goofs, one, know where you might fall before you fall. Because... You know, it's like if you're learning how to rollerblade, it's good to put on some pads so the damage is minimalized. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to do too much in the way of beating yourself down. So, without any further ado. I have a second do. You do. <laughs> now nah, I'm just giving me crap, so. Okay. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you lead it? Why don't you just lead us off there, uh, Zen? And uh, okay, show, show the world how imperfect yet awesome you are. All right. So we had been. This was actually the group that I game with regularly before the pandemic started. We were working on. We actually, I did a Victorian era fate game where the conceit is that things like magic and monsters are real and they're dealing with that in the in in victorian london even so i mean i've got a lot of things going with that trying to keep the setting straight i'm not a history buff so i will make mistakes when it comes to things like history but i found a book to help me with that, which was great. But we had played and everything was going really smoothly. We took like a two or three week break. And 
when we came back and start, I started running it again, all of a sudden, after about four sessions, nobody said anything to me the entire four sessions that this was going on. But I had basically converted the fate economy backwards. The entire conceit of that game is on invoking and doing things with your aspect. And I was doing it backwards for like four sessions. Now, we were supposed to be recording this to come out on this feed. But because I messed the rules up so badly, when I realized that it was a problem, it was almost at the end of what we were running. So more than half of it was actually completely wrong. And for something like that, you can't have that big of a flub. Mm -mm. Now, did everybody have a great time? Yes. Everybody had a blast playing it. So Were you able to remediate it, you know, or even retcon a little? Not really, because we have to, because we just went ahead and played how we had been playing. And nobody had a problem with it. But I can't do that as an as an AP to come out when I mess the rules up that badly. Now, you can mess up like I did, and everybody still have fun. Because you are there having fun with people. Some of them are even your friends. So, you know, if you're having a good time and everybody just kind of rolls with it, you can take a flub like that and still have a good time. Like, they actually still talk about the final fight that took place. And that was almost a year ago now. So, I feel pretty good about it, even though I messed it up. So, that is just one of those things. Yes, I can make, you know, you can make mistakes. And I've got many, many more. That's just the first one that came to mind, was that one. Because it was so big and it's, of a mistake. And it's still, even though there was a huge bonking goof, though, you know, because of your other skills, I think the players were willing to kind of let the goof go because of how I think awesome so. everyone was. Everyone was they, they all said that the story was awesome and they had a great time playing it. So apparently I did something right, even if it wasn't the rules. So that's, you know, like I said, you can make those kinds of mistakes and it happens. So but what have you guys got in the way of, of making a flub? <laughs> what do you mean make a mistake? I mean, seriously, though, they can be handled, especially if you don't treat them like mistakes, but part of your carefully laid out plan. Uh, Magic and fantasy games usually come with limitations, restrictions, strictures. There are a lot of games that restrict magic spells for certain characters through spell lists or, or other kinds of powers. 
one of the systems that does this in a setting I love happens to be the old, you know, BECMI Mistara based Dungeons and Dragons, the rule cyclopedia. Go back and read the card catalog on them. Yes, there will be more card catalogs in the future. Writing will happen. But what do you do when you have an NPC opponent, bad guy, a hero of their own story, use a spell against the party that, that isn't on their list? All right, so basically I had a magic user uh, use the spell harm in, in that game on Mastara in basic. And how exactly did that magic user get a clerical spell? That's a really good question. Uh, at that time, I had a mental flub and just kind of wanted to do something and did it, and then realized after the fact that it wasn't exactly right. But we kept rolling with it. And the players and the characters were asking questions. And so what happened wasn't me saying mea culpa and, and rewriting what occurred. Instead, you want to guess what their first major extraplanar quest ended up being? <laughs> That's fine. Immortal level weirdness and dimensional jousting and some stuff that doesn't exist in any printed material because I had to find a reason that there was a class with a spell list that included both magic missile and harm. Nice. That's actually pretty clever. You know, if, you know, being able to turn a goof into one heck of a cool plot point and, and intrigue base, that's slick. Oh, yeah, I, I bought myself some time by giving them hints to follow in-game and, and was able to figure this all out over a couple of months before they got to the, um, oh, this is what happened part of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but see, that's, you know, and that's kind of how you have to do it sometimes is, yeah, I made a mistake, but, you know, I I have, I'm not running 24-7, so I have a lot of time to figure out how to make that work. And even if that means you have to write whole new segments of things. Yeah. Because that's and, and one of the beautiful parts about games is you can just make things up. That's one of the one of the best things here. And and I'm gonna quote Christopher Titus because he is awesome and is just as effed up as like a lot of people I know. He's like, No, I, I'm not a failure. I succeed in finding what doesn't work. And you'd be like, Oh crap, this doesn't work within the standard rules. I have to figure out how I can make it work. Okay. So the thing yeah. is, like, when you screw up in any way, you know, don't take it as a personal failure. You know, if it, you know, was intentional and non-malicious, just put that out there. You know, standard disclaimer. You know, it's like, well, you made a goof. Okay, you can figure out, it's like, okay, this doesn't work within the current structure. Is there a way to fix that? You know, so. And there's always a way to fix it. Mm -hmm. Because we are, and GMs as a as a general rule are also game designers to an extent because we have to either find a way to make something within a game work how we would like it to, or we have to create something to fit in the game that we want to do what we want it to do. So that's why you don't have to be perfect. You can make things up 
like you created a class that literally has two spells that don't exist on any other spell list like that. Because that's what you needed it to do. And it gave some depth. And that's when you mess up lore. It's easy to work around that and to create a larger story. When you catch up mechanics that are part of the lore, like I'm talking about here for, uh, let's say, the, the harm and the magic missile getting conflated on the same list, that also can lead to more when you're not just running a strict living campaign interacts with other groups kind of game. Remember that your table is your table and that you get to have your own spin on any world you're playing in. And most importantly, it's that table's world. So what I want to hear from you listeners, find us on one of those social media places. I want to know what mistake you made as a GM and how you turned it into not a mistake. Or if you're a player who has not yet joined these hallowed but dusty halls of GMing, tell me and tell all of us about a situation where you think you caught the GM making a mistake they had to cover. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) And bringing up something here is also, if you think you caught the GM in a mistake, if the scene's still working, you know, and the, the scene still seems to be going. You know, get your little notepad out, make a note, and, uh, and like touch base with the GM on, you know, during a bio break or a snack run just to double check to one, because they might not have realized, oops, I goofed. But if everyone seemed to be enjoying it in the moment, you don't want to be that guy that derails everything. So, yes. you know, it, it, not to say it's like, you know, don't let us as GMs know that we didn't, we made a mistake, you know, we need to know because if we don't know, we can't fix it. But, and the thing is, we might be doing something that, you know, is, but, you know, that's dealing with something coming down the line and we're setting it up, but yeah, we don't have to. And here's the thing as a GM and as a player, player, do not expect the GM to go into great details as to what's going on. But as a GM, one, don't get defensive. It's like, oh, thanks for pointing it out. I appreciate it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, ex- you know, you don't have to give away your plot, but you have to acknowledge it also is kind of brave for a player to bring up. Is like, I think you might have screwed up because, you know, some people do get touchy if you, I don't, I don't want to say it's just. You step on their toes. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's there's tons of times where, like, I don't, I know the rules, but at the same time, like, I'm not sitting here memorizing every minute detail. And when I used to play Pathfinder, there was one of the guys that we played with who he would just, I would just make a call at the table and we would just keep playing. And then when we would take a break, he would be like, okay, so I know you did this this way. But the rule is written like this. Now, if you want to keep doing it that way, I'm cool with that. But this is the rule as it's written. And, you know, because, I mean, he would even be able to pull up like the errata, like how they fix something. I mean, like, yeah, you're playing like version two errata and we're on like version nine. You know, 
I mean, that's how good he was. And so he would he would come to me in those breaks and be like, hey, it's cool. I don't care. I just need to know where we're where we're sitting. So that he felt like he had an understanding of the rules because that is important. Yep. And so and that's also how you can actually kind of get different. Uh, and we talked about the different types of players way yeah. back in the past. Go to the Wayback Machine and, and download our earlier podcast. We talked about the different types of players. So if you got a person that's really big into the crunch mechanics, the numbers, the dice, the addition, subtractions, advantage, disadvantage, glitch, critical glitch, and... Use them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Use that person. But the they're, thing is, though... They're a resource. But the thing is, though, that if you, you know, accidentally make a wrong call and they bring it up, if uh, if it's a minor thing, all right, but if it's... But if, you know, if it's three games later and they bring it up, you're like, okay. But <clears throat> the yeah. thing is, by, by working like that, you can get people that are much more into the story than the, uh, than the crunch. And the people that are into the crunch a little bit less than the story, you can actually get them kind of onto the same. They're not going to be functioning at the same level. They'll all be at the same table having fun in their own way in your game. And that's the important part. Yeah, so I mean, yep. That's so. So, what do you have? Do you have an example of uh, a mistake from when you were jamming and how you kind of rolled with that punch? Not exactly. I have a story of a personal failure as being a GM. Um, I was new to GMing, and I was running stuff for the first time, and. We had a player that was monopolizing the game. I saw it. I realized it. And I didn't do anything because I was so worried about being, well, you're squashing my story. You're squashing my fun, stuff like that, that I let it continue. And holy crap, that was awful. Because I, it's like, yeah, the other person, the, the, the person's got their kind of amusing bunny writers time in the sun. But no one else really got to play anything. And they, it's like they just sat there. And I was too insecure to do anything. And so what I wanted to do at that time was, uh, one, it's kind of get the confidence in myself and my own GMing. Even though compared to other people and other things, I might not be as great. But it's my table, my story, and I'm running the show. For me, I want everyone to like the story that I'm telling. I want everyone to enjoy. But I was so worried because this, the, the one person that was doing it had this incredible uh, force of personality. So it was it was difficult. So I took that as a learning event. It's like, I am never going to let that happen again. I first went to the other players and apologized and let them know how I was going to try and fix it in the future. But if they didn't feel comfortable, I was completely okay with them leaving the game. And then I went to the other player and I'm like, you're not doing that again. It's like, I I understand you, but you can't even keep pushing the story just so it's focusing on you. You do that again and I will put you in a box that you can't get out of. And then... You know, we'll have the other players rescue you, kind of a thing. It's 
And that's a hard thing to do, especially since you're trying to make everyone have fun and, you know, be engaged. Yeah. So it's something, I mean, I know I'm very much a people pleaser. As angry and hateful as I am to the people I care about, I'll bend over backwards to try and do stuff that makes things fun. So that's one of my big problems. So I have to be very aware. It's like, okay, you know, kind of put like a little timer on. It's like, are are they going through it slow? Like they're trying to sound it out and bouncing off other players and everyone's engaged or are they just prima donnaing it? Or are they being a jerk to other players or are they, you know, it's like, yes, we can, you can play jerk kind of characters, but are you letting the in-character jerkiness go out of character and making everyone uncomfortable? You have to be able to have that strength to step up and protect your game, including the other players. It's not just your world, but the people that inhabit it. Yeah, because everybody at the table could be uncomfortable with the situation as it's existing right now. Mm -hmm. But they won't say anything because it's not their place. As a GM, it's kind of your place to kind of take those roles on as mediator exactly in situations and that's kind of what you need to do in that and you, there's nothing wrong with pausing the scenes like hey dude because sometimes it, sometimes a story will naturally progress to a a thing and everyone's enjoying it you know zippy everyone loves it when he's playing something and he had probably one of the best scenes when he was playing an unsilly puka sugar glider and was the leader of PetSmart, was the ruler of PetSmart, and just went psychotic, and it was hilarious. But that was, but the thing is, like, it happened organically, he didn't push it, he just kind of went with the flow, and then everyone was still entertained, but they, it's not like they lost their ability to play. But you have to be on the lookout, you know, gauge your players, you know, you know, it's like, you know, hey, mm -hmm. you know, read the room. You know, read the room. And here's the thing. And it's and if you give a warning and the behavior doesn't stop, it, it sucks to do in the middle of a of a scene. Hard stop that. And retcon, redline, it kills the immersion, but it might save your game. Because if no one wants to play with that one jerk character and they won't, you know, fix their character to be less jerky, you know, and still kind of force the issue. You're going to be running for that one guy, and you don't really like running for him anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's it can be it can be a little tough. So. And yeah. the thing, and the thing is, if if you have to, like, you know, do a bio break if you don't want to do it in front of people. You know, it's like, all right, dudes, let's everyone go grab some snacks, take them off to the side, talk to them about it, grab the other players when they're grabbing their. Uh, for me, it, it's cheddar popcorn because that is yummy, and double check to make sure everyone's cool, just because. Some players might have that same thing and might not want to speak up in front of other people. Yeah. So. And I think what you've heard are some really good examples of ways that GMs can make mistakes, both in the game and at the table. So like I said earlier, find us on social media and tell us as a GM what kind of a mistake you've had to paper over. Or as a player, when you think you caught your GM having to fix one of their mistakes. Because that is interesting so that we know how to hide and disguise that from you next time. Yeah. And and the thing <laughs> is, and here's the thing, before you guys start a game, it might not be a bad idea to one, let everyone know. It's just like, Hey, um, and it's like, 
everyone should be aware that nobody's going to be perfect in playing this like a computer because that would be boring. You know, rocks fall, everybody dies, everyone rolls a one. But if they want to bring something up, it's like, hey, you're not cool bringing it up in front of the whole group. Ninja note me or shoot me a text or something like that. Just already have your your levels of, you know, bringing up. It's like, hey, is that how that mechanic works? Mm hmm. You know, we are the biggest we are the biggest fan of ninja notes and sometimes and to make sure that no one, you know, if we have one person who's struggling with the rules and it's delightful because uh, he started feeling low self-conscious, he's like, is it because of that? Because you could read it one of two ways. So mm-hmm. and he just felt bad because he would just ninja note uh, getting clarification, just trying to get stuff like that. But he felt bad. He was doing it all the time. So we'd ninja note the GM going, I like your hat. So he wouldn't feel like he was the only one doing it. So, yeah. you know, be the thing is like, like in this, here's the thing in, in creating a world and creating a, a common fun time. The best thing is to do is if everyone feels at ease and kind of, I don't have to worry about, you know, saying something like this, or I can say it in my own way and no one's going to jump down your throat. You know, if just bringing up concerns, questions, uh, he's like, Hey, was that a rules flub? kind of a thing yeah it's totally cool and it's going to yep. be a lot more fun and uh incredibly very silly because the best gm note was gotten by zippy and it was written by uh our guy who was playing a a uh, a grizzled old sheriff in a deadlands game and he wrote it with this huge like uwu face and it's like i love you odi chan and he and he just looks and gives like that grim like mm-hmm with that ninja note, and it was just so hard watching him corpse. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the thing, you know. It, it's have fun. Yeah. So. Okay. So we all have been very busy of late. So we have decided that this episode there will not be a stat block from any of us. Yeah. Well. I know. Oh, I th- here's the thing. Another GM mistake. Not being as prepared as you need to be. <laughs> what do you do? You know, so, and like us, we're we're bullshitting it and rolling forward. Yes. So uh instead we're gonna move on to our lexicon segment. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay, here we go. Hey, hey quick question. Is it, do you get this thing too? Where you get the, the whole Hamlet, words, words, words kind of thing going on when Zen brings up lexicon? Maybe. <laughs> okay, it's not just me. I just want to know that it wasn't just me. Okay. In the spirit of this being the, the new season, I chose the word accordingly. And it is uh, nascency. Nice. I, I, I was I expecting you to, to, to jump in with something there, because usually you do. Well, I mean... Well, it's apropos. It, it is. So yeah, the yeah. definition is birth or origin. So... All right. Now, the the uh, the origin of actually nascent 
not nascency, because uh, nascent is actually the primary word. Uh, it comes from nascence, which is the present participle of the Latin verb nasi, which means to be born. And it is actually a relative newcomer to the collection of English words that derive from that uh, that Latin verb. And its first known use is 1682. <laughs> See where that went? Okay, that, that, that newcomer? Oh. I mean, 1782. <laughs> <laughs> you could say it was the beginning of a nascent vocabulary. It it was, but I wasn't going to pun it up. Uh, and the lookup popularity is for this one is the bottom forty percent of words. So, but really, bottom forty. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's not looked up as much. That's mainly because most people it, you have to know the word to look it up. Or, you know, have run across it. And not many things use nascency in it. So Yeah, point, point. Okay, so we are going to uh, get those closing remarks and get out of here so that you guys can go run some games. Go to Moshe, what you got? Well, first, I'm going to recommend you do something not related to gaming. And if you have Hulu, I'm going to recommend the show Taste of the Nation. Uh, Padma Lakshmi is the executive producer and host for it, and she travels across America kind of exploring the food cultures different immigrant communities brought with them and shedding light on, on those communities, those communities' relationship to the U.S. And, and what it means to be an American, as well as you know how we think about food uh, you know, through these particular immigrant dishes. Nice. Impressive. And I hate you because my idea was similar. Now I have to find something new. <laughs> well, that Zen, what you got? Okay, so I just finished, like literally just finished last night, the last boss fight in Arkham City. Ooh. And yeah, I you know what? It's been a really long time. I've I played it when it first came out. I haven't played it since then. And it just happened to be on like stupid sale on PlayStation. So I'm like, you know what? I really enjoy playing those. I'll go ahead and pick it up again. And it's a good game for what it is. It's you play Batman and you get to play Catwoman for like five scenes. But. <laughs> Well, and even more importantly, there is downloadable content for my favorite person. For your favorite person? For Harley? Oh, no. That's the only original, uh, out of the original game, that's the only other character that you... DLC Nightwing. Oh, oh, yeah, you do get to play that, but it's not in the actual game. You can only play him in, like, the challenge mode. Yes, but if you've played it... You don't get to... Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And you get to run around an area that's actually five times the size of Arkham Asylum. 
So if you liked Arkham Asylum, but it felt really tight, this one is way bigger. And it is a lot of fun. And I'm now in the part of digging through and unlocking all of the Riddler Joe, you know, the Riddler things and finding all the the bits and pieces that when you just try to barrel through the story, you don't find. So I'm getting yeah. to go back and play through all of those. And it's a lot of fun. You, so. Oh, the, 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 the Riddler challenge challenges frustrating yet. You feel all proud of yourself, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> or you're just like, how the hell did I guess that one? Right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I love that game. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fun. I just finished it. My my daughter was like so happy to get to see Catwoman being played. So awesome. Yeah. So All what right. do you got? All right, because I, I didn't want to recommend Shokugeki no Soma, uh, aka Food Wars, because Gardemanger already recommended something more awesome. So I'm recommending Hollow Knight, but not just the video game. I'm talking the video game, the soundtrack. And for those of you that are musically inclined, they have a book of sheet music. And it's at one, I'm going to let you know it is not toned down. I mean, I did piano for 16 years and I'm looking at this. I'm like, how the heck am I going to move my hands for it? But this it's a Metroidvania. It's very Dark Souls like, but the sound design and the art is probably the most achingly beautiful you know it, it's you, you go to Dirtmouth, which is kind of like the the it's the main town above all the ruins in, in Nest. but you're there and it's just like this sad aching piano piece and the thing is like it's most it's mostly like harp and piano uh city of tears the music there it's like this incredible sound design the platforming's really tight it handles really easy it's fair it's a pain in the ass but it's fair the story's great but the thing that i love is that they allowed officially this is a, it has team cherry's logo on the back of the book because people wanted it they actually put out a official book of the sheet music for all the the soundtrack bits you can download and some you know that's mostly percussive no you're not going to get that but you know, you, Dirt Mouse, City of Tears, the, you know, the infected city, you know, it's amazing. And I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm noodling around just trying to get, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's because I'm hearing the music in my head and I'm playing around with it. And it, it's exactly right. The right key. Cause you know, if you're there, they're, so they're making it, there's certain things you're like, how many sharps is that? So, <laughs> you know, that's the one I, 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 the the art book on and the nice thing is also they put in the DLC sheet music in there too. So you actually get Grim Troop stuff. You get, you know, the the whole boss rush one. It's like, oh my gosh. But the music and, and the artwork on the front is adorable. You have like the little grim child curled up in a little ball sitting on the top of a grand piano. So that you know, that very much like what Supergiant Games does, I am loving that Team Cherry. I mean, they pay someone to arrange it professionally, but, you know, that's it's something really special. So if you like the game, or if you just like the music, 
and you've got music and you're musically inclined, you've got a musical background, pick that up. It's like not too expensive. And, you know, I mean, I, I suck at Metroid videos and I've been putting, I have over a hundred hours on this thing <laughs> just so I can listen well, to the music. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that is very, very cool. Yeah. And now I got a new piano project. My fingers hate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if you, you made it this far through the episode. Thank you so much for keeping up with us and hearing us talk about how GMs can make mistakes and also kind of how to roll with them. So if you've got any tips to share, join us and everyone else on social media. In the meantime, Zen. Have fun, roll some dice, and we will see you guys next time. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.